Hi friend, welcome back to the Let's Talk Wildlife podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am extremely excited for this week's episode. I adore our bird species. I think that they carry a lot of extraordinary features and the majority of them have little mannerisms that are just so spectacular. They have little dances they do around the breeding season but we will definitely get into all that. The two bird species are somewhat different. One is flightless whereas the other one is Australia's largest flying bird. So (laughs) there is a bit of a difference but I think both of these species are truly spectacular and I really wanted to share a few things about them with you guys. So Welcome to the Let's Talk Wildlife podcast and this is our conversation on brolgas and the emu. So the brolga is Australia's largest wetland bird. It stands at about one meter tall uh, and can get over one meter as well, up to 1.3 meters. They have a significantly large wingspan of up to 2.4 meters This bird is already extraordinary. So the brolga belongs to the crane family. There are around 15 species and the brolga is one of two that resides here in Australia. And the other one is the Cyrus crane, which is not as common to come across than the brolga. So our brolga inhabits quite a wide area of Australia. They can be found in northwest Queensland, western Victoria and New South Wales and also southeast South Australia. So I am from Queensland. I live in the Sunshine State. So I am not 100% certain on where you may come across brogas in any of the other states. But I do know a few places if you travel to Queensland or if you live in Queensland where you can come across these magnificent birds. So the Bromfield Swamp up in the Atherton Tablelands up in North Queensland is an excellent spot for bird watching in general but it is quite a handy spot to set sights on our brogas. Also up in far north Queensland is the Taito Wetlands which is in Ingham. Brogas are also spotted there quite frequently as well. Also out west in Queensland, so outback towns such as Longreach and Quilpie. So the brolga is an omnivore. Its diet consists of wetland plants, also insects and amphibians. The population is quite secure with the brolgas. There have been studies done and said to be around 20,000 to 100,000 in northern Australia. And only around 1,000 in our southern parts of Australia. So brogas are not a migratory species, but they are quite nomadic, meaning that they are very wondrous. And like I mentioned before, they will follow seasonal rainfall and move to different areas. Our brogas reside in a variety of different environments such as our wetlands, our marshes, our coastal mudflats, and occasionally they will visit our estuaries. So our brogas are best known for their 
very intricate and rehearsed dances. So to find a mate, they will perform dance rituals like a large amount of other bird species as well. The broga will tend to pick up grass, it will toss it into the air, it will catch it uh, with its beak, it will do a lot of bowing and head bobbing, it will also jump around one meter into the air with its wings outstretched. This is a phenomenal sight to see and if you have not seen this occur in the wild, just do a little bit of like YouTubing and <laughs> have a quick little sneak peek because it is a spectacular sight to see. Both sexes will perform these dances year round in pairs and in groups. It is no surprise that this leads the brolga to be monogamous. So this just means that they pair for life. A high amount of our bird species are monogamous. Another reason why I <laughs> why I really like our birds. But these large birds also are quite gregarious, meaning that in the non-breeding season, they will all group together to form huge flocks. Something quite fascinating is during the breeding season, the pair, the male and female, will return to the breeding site and create a nest made up of sticks and grass. And this will usually be situated in the middle of the wetlands. But the fascinating part of this is that the pair will return each year for about 20 years back to the same breeding site. That is commitment, <laughs> but very fascinating. So both sexes will incubate the egg and there's usually around two eggs. The breeding season in the south occurs between September and December and in our northern parts of Australia around February to May. So our brokers are extremely dependent on our wetlands and there are a few threats to their populations. So habitat loss is quite significant in the case of the broga. Our introduced fox, so our red fox species, likes to prey upon brogas. Also, fencing is quite a big issue and grazing as well. I know I mentioned the populations and especially up here in northern parts of Australia, their populations are flourishing. They're quite high. It's pretty stable, but just like our southern Australian populations with just 1,000 brogas, it's really important to be aware of this so we can all come together and appreciate our brogas and learn and have the knowledge of what we can be doing to reduce the threats to their habitats and to them as a species. Unfortunately, up here in the northern parts of Australia where they reside, wild pigs are a huge problem to our broga populations. And also poison and the brogas being shot on properties and on farms due to damage is also threatening their population. But there are a few organisations that have jumped on board to help protect our brogas. So Bush Heritage is a really great organisation. They work with university and experts to protect brogas' habitats and to educate others, peoples, about 
brogas and how remarkable they are and how important they are to humans and to our ecosystem. I believe they have a station reserve which is a complete haven for our brogas and it's really nice to to know that there are wilderness areas and spots where animals can go and wildlife can be that they aren't being harmed. So I believe the Bush Heritage Station Reserve is in northwest of New South Wales. So the Brolga was Australia's largest wetland bird. The emu is Australia's largest bird. In general, as a whole, it is the second largest bird in the world, coming second to the ostrich. And third is the cassowary. We have had an episode on the cassowary and a friend of mine reached out and mentioned that she really enjoyed the cassowary episode and if there were any other bird episodes coming up and I also particularly enjoy researching birds and learning about birds so I am very happy to be able to be releasing this episode on our emus and our brogas. So emus are very unusual but they are so very incredible and so extraordinary. They belong to the flightless bird family like our cassowaries and our ostriches, which is actually the oldest form of birds. So emus are quite easy to identify. They are large. (laughs) They have a shaggy grey to black plumage and a magnificent blue and black face and neck. The emus choice in colour as an adult and also as a chick is to help camouflage from predators. Emus are quite prominent in Aboriginal stories and culture and they are actually the inspiration behind a lot of dances and astrological mythology and also other creations and stories which is super fascinating. Emus also play an important food source as well so their fat is used to make oil, their bones for knives, and their tendons for string. Although they are native to Australia, the word emu does not originate from the Aboriginals, the first original peoples of Australia. It actually derives from Arabic or Portuguese, and it translates to large bird or big bird. Our emus have extremely powerful legs and they can run up to 50 kilometers an hour and their strides whilst running can be up to three meters that is incredible I have seen a lot of wild emus and it is a really really fun sight to see I had seen them out in western Queensland So they live for about 10 to 20 years in the wild, but they can live up to about 30, 35 years in captivity. They are found only in Australia, but they did once reside in Tasmania, but they were exterminated by our early European settlers in 1865 or the early 1800s. There were also two dwarf species that inhabited Kangaroo Island and King Island. They are both extinct today. Emus have again quite a variety of different environments that they live in, different habitats such as open plainlands to forests and woodlands. Their numbers are quite high, their population is in an abundance. In Australia there are estimated to be anywhere between 600,000 
to around 750,000 emus in the wild. They are globally farmed though for, as I mentioned before, their meat, their oil and also for leather. Our beautiful female emus can lay roughly anywhere between 5 and 15 eggs, which are beautiful eggs. They come in this magnificent dark green colour. They are the most beautiful eggs I have ever seen. I don't know if I have ever admitted that or <laughs> if that's an odd thing to admire, but their eggs are beautiful. They are really large as well. And the male will actually incubate the egg for around 55 days. So something really extraordinary about the female and male emu is after the female has laid her eggs, the male will incubate and the female will leave. And she might leave forever. She may never come back. She may go on to mate with other male emus. But the male is left with the eggs and something remarkable is he will incubate those eggs for the whole 55 days, so roughly around two months. In those two months, he does not leave those eggs. He does not eat, he does not drink. So the male emu can survive two months with no food. That is extraordinary. Emus are diurnal, meaning that they are active throughout the day and they rest at night time. Emus are also omnivores, just like our brogas. So their diet can consist of insects, fruits, seeds, and also animal droppings. So just like our cassowary, the emu is extremely important and plays a huge role in our ecosystem. They consume seeds and they are seed dispersers. So if you did listen to our cassowary episode, you will know all about what seed dispersal is and the emu also plays this role in our ecosystem. So they are incredibly important. So it is a good thing that their populations are quite high and we do need to put an effort to keep it this way. We can't afford to see our emu populations decline or our cassowary populations decline or our brogas, any animal, we need them all. The emu can and will travel around 25 kilometers a day to find food. And they're quite vocal, but when they are being vocal, it's quite loud at the same time. And they can be heard up to two kilometers away. If you have encountered an emu, whether in the wild or at a wildlife sanctuary, you will notice that they do this drumming kind of like a beatboxing noise it's really interesting to hear and to see so I recommend getting out there and watching emus and looking at how incredible they are but also how they survive and why they are so extraordinary there are also a few threats to our emus as well so dingoes and wedge-tailed eagles like to prey upon babies so chicks emu chicks adults don't particularly have a lot of natural predators but habitat loss and intentional slaughter is playing a huge part in emu populations decreasing. Fences are huge so emus are quite nomadic and whilst they are exploring and they are running in the Australian outback where there shouldn't be any fences 
they tend to either injure themselves with the fences or they will get trapped. And when there is a huge herd of these emus, they tend to stamp amongst each other and injure others. It's a whole mess. So fences also are quite threatening to our emus. Bush Heritage, again, I'm going to mention because I absolutely love them and I think that they are a beautiful organization, but they have quite a few different reserves, which they have emus residing on these properties. Bush Heritage does a great job in reducing competition, again, keeping these natural wilderness areas to protect our emus, our brogas, and they also help and work with conservationists and also help conserve land so we can knock out land clearing and keep our trees, keep our wilderness wild. You can also donate to Bush Heritage or any organisation of your choosing or of your liking, but I do have a sweet spot for Bush Heritage. There has not been one animal that we have spoken about in this podcast that hasn't been important to humans and hasn't played a significant role in making our airs clean and healthy or our forests. The emu is a seed disperser. They are so important. We definitely, I mean, all of our wildlife is crucial and it's really important to keep these populations stable because Although there aren't many threats or risks to our emus, there's still wildfires, there's still drought, and they are all potential threats that could occur. And I guess this also comes back down to climate change and global warming. So it's important to all come together for us humans to all come together and work together to appreciate our beautiful birds and beautiful wildlife and live alongside of them and what a privilege it is to exist at the same time as these remarkable animals. But thank you. If you have made it all the way to the end of this episode, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I hope you have learned a little bit about our emus and our brogar. I know the emu is quite well known in Australia, but the brogar, it isn't spoken about as much, and I definitely think it deserves all the recognition It is a beautiful bird. So thank you. And I will see you this time next week.